Hello and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I'm Heather Hansen O'Neill and I am your host and I am excited to be with you again today. My quote today is by Jonathan Swift. A wise person should have money in their head, but not in their heart. And I have a fantastic guest today. Christopher Calandra is the founder and principal of Elliott Wealth Management Services, LLC, which has offices in Connecticut and Florida. Chris is a certified financial planner with over 26 years of experience helping entrepreneurs, retirees, and families achieve their financial goals and objectives. Chris is also the host of the Simply Financial podcast. I had a great time as a guest on his show recently. And he also has been involved in real estate investing for over 25 years. He bought his first investment property at the age of 23, and his current portfolio includes single-family, multifamily, and commercial income-producing properties. I am super excited to bring on and share with you the wisdom of Chris Calandra. How are you doing, Chris? I am doing great. Thank you for having me on your show. I've been looking forward to this uh, all week as it's been on my calendar. We're recording this kind of at the end of the week, so I had something to look forward to all week. Oh, well, good. No pressure. Now it has to be fun, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. All right, I'll do my best. I'm sure that we're going to have a great time, just like we did in our last conversation. So, you know, let me, let me just ask you to share. I gave the abridged version of your bio, but can you share a little bit about how you got to where you are today? Yes. So I have been a financial planner the entirety of my career. I think uh, I was blessed early on, Heather, that uh, even in high school, I had a sense of what I wanted to do. And throughout college, I knew I wanted to go into the financial services industry. And so I have been an advisor, like I said, my entire career. So the good of that is I have 28 years of experience. The bad of that is I've been a around and I'm older than I used to be, which I'll be 50 <laughs> in just a few short days. So, oh, happy birthday. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and so I, I've always uh, loved this industry because I get to help people in an area that is important. It's not the most important thing in people's lives. I think there are uh, many areas you and I can agree are more important than money and wealth building. But as I often say, it's not unimportant either. And I get to help people in this arena. And for a lot of people, they struggle and could use some professional assistance. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it in terms of tax planning, estate planning, uh, investment management, forecasting, budgeting, all of those different things. So I love to help people. It's an area of interest. I'm passionate about the subject matter. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a wonderful career. It also provides a nice work-life balance. I mean, I work very hard, but uh, I've also been able to enjoy my children and their sporting events and school events. And uh, it's, it's provided a very nice life for me. So that's a little bit of a primer. Is that what you were looking for? I love it. It's fantastic. And, and Chris, I just... 
I think that lifestyle part of it is very important to a lot of my listeners. And I, I will just share with you that it, for me, growing up, with, there was a certain element of um, my family not really giving positive reinforcement about having a lot of money. So I had to learn something that you just mentioned. And that is that it's not really about the money. It's about what the money can do for you and your family and, and what you want to bring to the world. And that shift for me really helped me to be able to embrace it and use it to do better, bigger, more amazing things for my clients and my family. Right. Oh, I, I think um, what you just mentioned is a tremendous stumbling block for a lot of people. The idea that having wealth or making a lot of money has a negative connotation mm -hmm. and others struggle with being deserving yeah. of, of having money and wealth and might even go so far as to feel guilty mm -hmm. if uh, you know they have uh, too nice a car or too much money in investments. Yeah. But uh, I don't believe, I don't subscribe to that whatsoever. I think uh, good people that work hard are smart with their money and purposeful mm -hmm. with their money, including allocating money to building wealth is very noble, very worthwhile. Mm -hmm. It's good for that person, their family. I also think it's good for society as a whole. Taken to an extreme, it could be negative, but I think that that extreme circumstance is often talked about, but rarely seen. Even people that I've met that are very, very wealthy, they tend to be good people. They play by the rules. They were smart with money. They were motivated to build a good life for themselves and their families. Mm -hmm. They tend to be generous with uh, giving money to others and treating people in their lives well. Uh, so I don't subscribe to that. Personally, I didn't grow up with that. Mm -hmm. uh, Heather, I did grow up in a fairly uh, lower middle class household. I wouldn't say we were poor. I lived in a home, had two parents, a traditional nuclear family with my father working and my mom as a stay-at-home mom. So I didn't get the same mentality you did, but I certainly didn't come from a lot of wealth or high income producing household. I love what you mentioned just now, and it's the generosity that um, increasing your income provides you. Like if you are a generous soul by nature, then listen closely to some of the tips that Chris is gonna share with us because it will enable you to become more generous. Now I know that you have um, seven wealth building rules. Maybe we can dive into a couple of them. Do you want to, to choose one or two to start with or should I, uh, should I pull one or two out? Oh, so uh, why don't we start with, with you and, uh, you know, my listeners, I'll, I'll make available, they'll be able to go to my site and, and see the seven wealth building rules presentation. So if we don't cover them, it's okay. Oh, that's great. That's uh, great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll make sure that we, we get your website and all of that information yeah. and I'll even post it in, in the, um, the show notes for people. So I'm a big fan of, and it sounds kind of counterintuitive or, or contradictory that I believe in being present in the moment, but I'm also really into goal setting. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about goal setting, if you don't mind. Do you have any tips for people 
that can help them with goal setting as it relates in general or specifically to wealth building? So I, I think this is a good general concept, but I'll tie it specifically into financial, uh, the financial realm is goal setting. Most of your listeners probably have heard if they're uh, listeners of a show like yours uh, are familiar that goal setting is important. Writing down goals is much better than not writing them down. It provides accountability. It just mentally gets the mind working in a way that's way more efficient. What I would add to that common discussion about goals is the notion of thinking short, mid, and long-term. So I'll give you an example. You might meet somebody that says, well, I would like to retire at such and such age. Let's just use 65 as an example. So you say you want to retire at 65. Mm -hmm. Let's say though that they're only 25 or 35 or even 45 years old. So they have this goal. That's great. But the short and midterm component is important because the short term would be, okay, what goals do I have in the short term that'll help me accomplish that long-term goal? Mm -hmm. If you only have the long-term goal and you just have it hanging out there, just the pressures and the fast pace of life, uh, you might lose track of that long-term goal. So I like to think short, mid, and long-term. So if you want to retire at 65, what would you do in the next year that would move you on the pathway to the achievement of that long-term goal? Because that long-term goal is going to happen only if you begin to do things in the short and midterm to get you there. Does that make sense? Oh, I love it. And I call it um, chunking it down so that yes. you can you can look at it, it can go down, it can get to the ridiculous, right? So you have this big goal and then you do the yearly, which I absolutely love, but then you can actually do quarterly. And what do I have to do today that can help contribute to this goal? And and I think that that is really, really important. And like you said, when, when people for you retiring is is a big one, I would think. And so if it is a little bit, if we keep waiting and waiting to take the actions, you're not going to be able to achieve it. It's just too big, right? Absolutely. And I think it's general, Heather, because it's the same thing if you have a goal to run a marathon and you haven't been exercising or running, mm -hmm. uh, that's a good goal, but probably a short-term goal would be maybe to walk a mile or to run a mile. Mm -hmm. uh, or to stretch, or even just to Google how you could plan and train to run a marathon. You, you need something. Otherwise, that is kind of a big, maybe insurmountable goal. But if you take it in bite size, what's the, I know you're a big quote person, just like I am. Mm -hmm. What's the quote? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at <laughs> One a time. One bite at a time. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Chris. Now, I know that when people are looking at goal setting, there's some preparation that's involved in it. Do you have any specific suggestions for people on some things that they should be thinking about? Well, first off, um, you need to be prepared. Like any important endeavor, you have to get educated and you have to do some homework. And in my business, Heather, there's an adage which I, which I think is unfortunately as true today as it was 28 years ago when I started, and that is most people spend more time planning their next vacation than they do their financial future. Yeah. So 
you need to do some work to get prepared, just like any other important endeavor. Get educated. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of literature on the internet, books, magazines. There's no shortage of resources out there to help you increase your financial IQ. There are also podcasts like my show, The Simply Financial Podcast, and there are you know hundreds of others as well. Now, I'm a certified financial planner. My team and I, uh, we work with our clients actively to help them get prepared so we could provide a shortcut and alleviate some of the pressures on them having to figure out a lot of stuff on their own. Mm-hmm. But preparation is, is really key, and that's the second of the seven wealth building rules. Yes. And you know, I, I do want to give a little plug here. The Simply Financial Podcast is really, uh, it's good because it gives great suggestions, but it's also just really interesting. I can't say that I could say that about all of the financial services podcasts out there, but yours is really interesting and it's got great information. So I definitely recommend people check that out. You know what? I'll put a, um, I'll put a link to that podcast in the show notes as well. Wonderful. Okay. I'm going to dive into a whole different area and then we'll come back to the financial stuff. I'm ready. Okay. So, you know, the name of the show is From Fear to Fire. And so if I don't at least ask you about a little fear and some fire, my listeners are going to be disappointed. (laughs) So I just want to segue for a moment. Is there anything in your life that you can think back to that was just really challenging, really fearful, this place that you didn't want to be. And now when you look back at it, like maybe there was a lesson that you learned, something that you can share with our listeners. So we don't want to disappoint your listeners. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I've listened to lots of your episodes. So I am prepared. I'm prepared for this question. And there were a few things I could have uh, spoken about because life is hard. I have a great life. But you have your ups and downs. I think the the one that I'll I'll, I'll use today is more career oriented. But back in uh, this was around a two thousand and four time horizon. I was working as a financial advisor, and I was in a business uh, business model, and I was partnered with some other folks, and things were really really good. But there was some writing on the wall that I might need to make a change. And I was recruited to go work for a major financial institution, and I would have become more of an employee and less of an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so I carefully weighed this decision and decided to go for it. Heather, they paid me a pile of money. Mm -hmm. I mean, just at the time, and even when I think back on it, it was really an impressive amount of money. And I don't say that to be boastful, Mm -hmm. but it really factored into the decision And so I made the change to the financial institution and it went well for the first two or three days. Oh, that's all it took was two or three days. It was a disaster. Um, I joined a firm. It was a big firm. I don't know if I could say the name, but it was a big firm and they were merging with another firm. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up in an environment where I really wasn't part of the old firm and I wasn't really part of the new firm. And the people that I interviewed with and I had met during my due diligence, because I was a little 
skeptical about making the change. So I had met with a lot of people, did a lot of homework. Well, they all got sacked within a few days of me being there. So then the people that brought me in there weren't there. I wasn't part of the old guard, not really part of the new guard. It was miserable. And I am a more of an optimist Mm -hmm. and a positive thinker, having digested lots of uh, literature and uh, speakers about the power of positive thinking. And it was the first time in my career and even life where I was just, Heather, I was just such a lost puppy. I would, uh, every day was miserable. Every day was a chore. Uh, I was brought on to do certain things, but then not able to do the things that I was brought on to do. I was blocked from doing it. Mm. It was just miserable. And as an example, you know, over the weekend, my wife, Joelle, was great. You know, it was a hard day. You come home. She's like, all right, we'll have a nice weekend, rest, recuperate, recharge your batteries, and then get back after it on Monday. And then I would go in Monday full of gusto. I'm going to do this, get that done, all of the different things. And then I would be exhausted by like two o'clock. I ended up leaving after 15 months and setting up my own practice, which is the forerunner of Elliott Wealth Management. Mm -hmm. I've been in a couple of different business models since this 2005 departure from the major financial firm. But the business experience was so horrible and it was a major financial setback because I was making good money. I moved there. They gave me a signing bonus but the signing bonus, you had to stay around. So wow. I had the unique experience, at least in my life, of telling those people that I was out of there, a little bit of take this job and shove it, <laughs> followed by, oh, by the way, how much do I owe you? Oh, ouch. Yes. And this happened at a time when my daughter was uh, five Mm-hmm. My wife was five months pregnant and I left, gave most of the money back, had to set up my own practice and then had to regain the clients that I had brought over to the other firm. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a very challenging time, not just money-wise, career-wise, but it was also the first time like I had made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I, I made a move. It made sense at the time, but it really blew up in my face. Wow. So do you, is there something that you can now look back and say, well, because I did that, even though I do view this as a mistake, but because I I did that, I learned this one thing. Is there anything that you can, like, are you happy in any capacity that that happened? No. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm supposed to say yes, but, uh, Okay, you say what you feel. Yeah. I, I, I think that there's a few lessons to be learned. I, I think that the primary one is when you look at people that are successful, career-wise, financial-wise, I think what I learned then, because at the time I was 34, 35 years old, mm-hmm. is that you have this vision that, you know, I, I see people that are successful and you want to emulate them. Mm-hmm. And you think that their success is linear, that every year is better than the other year. Uh. And that's a huge mistake because it's not how it works. Mm -hmm. And so I think the big lesson is, is on on your way to achieving success, especially big success, if you have audacious goals and you're really trying to accomplish something um, important to you that's not easy to accomplish, that your 
pathway is going to be uneven. So that's the big lesson was, you know, I was on a nice trajectory, made a mistake, got beat up financially and otherwise. But the lesson was that that's okay. My goals, success, fulfillment was still very much attainable. And other people that I was trying to emulate had their own issues where they had setbacks, problems, obstacles, Mm. tragedies, what have you. And mine was pretty slight in comparison to some things people have to deal with. So I think that's the primary takeaway. That's a good one. And you know what? I I think that one is is very relevant today because I, I feel as if so many people think that what they're feeling, what they're going through right now with the challenges that it that they're the only ones feeling that way. And which is why I'm such a big proponent of connecting and, yes. and you know, just reaching out, trying to help and, and just talk to people and be a support for people. Because I think that they forget that, you know, regardless, even though other people are posting, you know, really interesting things on social media, that may not be the reality of their situation. We can't base it on that, that we're all going through something from time to time and that we have to be kind, right? Yes. And, you know, to your point, um, the the second thing I would say is, number one, my my wife was a tremendous supporter and she Mm. knew I was struggling. And, you know, look, she's well-educated. She's a stay-at-home mom, though. She's got a six-year-old. She's got our, you know, she's carrying our son. And for this financial disruption, yeah, it's, it's a little upsetting. Her faith in me saying, look, if you don't like it, leave. If we have to sell the house, we'll sell the house. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll be fine. That having somebody in your life, whether it's a spouse, parent, friend, was so very important. And it ties into what you said about being kind. I mean, my wife was tremendously kind. Uh, um, she never said, well, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Which, <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing is that, uh, you know, I, I went to some of my clients because I had brought clients that I had previously to this big financial firm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the quick turnaround was not good for them because, you know, they had to move accounts from where I was to the big financial firm. And then, you know, 12, 13, 15 months later, I'm going to leave and basically asking them, would they stick with me? Yeah. And, and my clients were so loyal to me mm-hmm. and said, look, Chris, if you think it's good for you, and you, you're telling me it's good for us, that it's going to be better, then we're going to stick with you. And that kindness that my client showed me in, in, in sticking with me mm-hmm. uh, really helped me rebuild my financial income and build up my practice because they stuck with me and mm-hmm. um, an awful lot to me. Well, you know, that's a testament to you and your ability to build strong relationships along the way. You can't come to someone that you haven't been doing the right thing for all along at the last minute and say, oh, by the way, we're making these big shifts. That what the way that they behaved and reacted to you in that situation was based on trust. Yes. 
And so I think that that's really important for, for people to recognize is that we may be talking about money. We may be talking about, you know, career, but it all comes down to those personal relationships and how you come from integrity in your interactions with people. And it, and it comes back in a really powerful way when it needs to. Yes. While I have you and your financial wisdom, I would love for you to share um, what is your favorite thing that you like to tell people as it relates to, I'm not saying, oh, give me a hot stock tip. I'm saying just like in general, what do you think that people really need to know that maybe they're not, the people out there aren't doing or they haven't thought of, or maybe it's a simple tool that just people yeah. don't do a lot. Is there anything like that that you can think of that could help people? Yeah, I, I think for your listeners, and it is one of the the seven wealth building rules, so you, you teed it up beautifully for me, is <laughs> to track your progress. Uh, we agreed at the outset that money's not the most important thing, mm -hmm. but it is important. Yeah. And when something's important, you want to track your progress. So the tip that I would give, if there was one takeaway would be to create a net worth statement. Uh, it's also called in other, uh, you might also be referred to as a, a personal financial statement. But what that is, Heather, is uh, you add up your assets line by line, value of your home, money in the bank, 401k, and so on. Add up all of your assets and total it. Then in the next column, add up, identify all of your debts, credit card, car loan, student loan, whatever. Hopefully there aren't too many, but mm -hmm. add up all of your debts. And then your wealth is found by subtracting your total debts from your total assets. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that money is important and wealth building is important, and I truly believe it is, and it's noble, is you want to increase your net worth. Mm -hmm. you, and, the, and so tracking that, keeping track of your net worth statement. I do mine quarterly. Now I'm a little bit of a financial geek. Well, actually a lot of a financial geek. <laughs> I would hope you're a financial geek. Yeah. But so I do mine quarterly and I'm such a geek, Heather, that now today, as of this recording, we're closing in on a quarter. Mm -hmm. Like I can't wait to do my <laughs> You're very excited I, I mean, about it. That's yeah, I'm going to geek out when, when the time comes. Uh, but you should at least do it once a year because yeah. if you want to win with money, you want to keep score, if you will. And the way you want to keep score is building wealth. Now, driving your income higher is important too. Uh, and I think people pay attention to that lots. But if you drive your income higher, but you don't build any wealth, you're not really winning with money. If you spend all the money you have, mm -hmm. uh, all the money you make, but you don't really have any wealth, uh, or even if you have a negative wealth number because you have more debts than assets, that's not really very desirable. Mm -hmm. So the tip is create your net worth statement. You could do it on a, on a piece of paper. Uh, I do mine again, I'm a geek, two ways. I have an Excel spreadsheet that I've been using for the longest time. And I still do that today. But also we have some software here at Elliott Wealth Management where it's, um, it's done in the software mm -hmm. and various accounts like 401ks, mortgages, investment accounts, bank accounts, and so on feed right into the system and pre-populate Oh, that's your nice. net worth statement to make it yeah. a little easier. And I even have an app where I can look at my net worth statement every day, which I don't because do. Because you're a geek. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, but that, that, would be, that would be the tip. I mean, you want to build yeah. wealth over time. Yeah. And there's going to be ups and downs like we spoke about with mm -hmm. uh, my career 
troubles back in 2004, 2005. But I could go back over these many years, Heather, and see how our wealth has grown, which is a sign that what we're doing goals-wise and all the other things we're doing to be smart with money Mm -hmm. is working. And that doesn't mean that we don't enjoy our lives. I spend money. I go on vacation. uh, We're striking a balance between accumulating wealth so that we're financially secure in the future Mm -hmm. combined with enjoying life today as well as being generous along the way. Ah, I absolutely love that. I mean, I could turn the recording off right now because I love that. Um, However, I want to make sure that you share. I'm sure that people are going to want to check out those seven wealth building rules and anything else that you have on your website. I got got to tell you, I love that tracking the progress because I think it's really important. If you don't know where you are, how do you know what you need to change and tweak to, to get to where you want to go? So I think it's brilliant. But Chris, can you share how people can get a hold of you? Well, we referenced a few of them already. I have Mm -hmm. a podcast, the Simply Financial Podcast. Mm -hmm. Listeners, please check it out and subscribe. It's free. Uh, My website is www.elliotwealth, and Elliot has two L's and two T's, elliotwealth.com. You can get uh, a white paper on the seven wealth building rules. That's free as well. And if anyone who's listening would like to speak with me, Uh, We offer a complimentary consultation, sort of a strategy session, where we could talk about how we work with our clients and how we might be able to help uh, folks achieve their financial goals. So they could sign up at the website for the complimentary consultation. Fantastic. Chris, thank you so much. Now, you mentioned earlier that you are a a big fan like me of quotes and things. So would you like to send us off on our way with one of your favorite quotes? Yes. So one of the ones that I use a lot, and I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, Heather, but uh, I think it's attributed to Mark Twain. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably not get the quote exactly right, but it's we are all ignorant just on different subjects. Mm. And my specialty, my expertise over the 28 years of my career is financial planning. Mm -hmm. And people could do it themselves and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a lot that goes into it. And I help people make smart financial decisions, increase their financial IQ, uh, because this is my area of expertise. I am not ignorant in this area and I want to help people. There are other areas of my life where I'm the ignorant one and I need help and I need to partner. And so I love this because sometimes people come to me and they feel dumb or they feel a little bit sheepish because maybe they've made some mistakes or their house isn't in order or maybe they squandered some money or made poor investments, but, but it's okay. We're all ignorant just on different subjects. I'm here to help. Love it. Okay. So thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you and your time today. And I look forward to another chat soon. Sounds good, Heather. Take care.